First and foremost, I want everybody to take a deep breath and relax, okay? I feel like my eyes sticking to one side of my brain and shit. You know what I mean? Go to bed, Okay, my name is Taylor Dunn. Y'all keep it going. You are now listening to the Mac Daddy Seminar, motherfucker. <laughs> What's cracking, pimps? What's going on? And welcome to a brand new episode of the Mac Daddy Seminar. As always, I am your host, Taylor Dunn, and we're just going to roll right into it today with our guest. Yes, we have another guest. My guest today is an old high school friend of mine. She's actually one of the reasons that me and my wife met. Uh, She's also the owner of Fortitude Video Marketing. Go check that out on Google, look it up on Instagram, all of that good stuff. And she is also the sassy Southern chef. Give it up for my guest, Morgan Puckett. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad to be able to sit down and talk with you today. How are you doing? I've been doing pretty well, just trying to keep busy, you know, just yeah. hard how, during all this. Yeah, how is it right now? You're still in Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in Montgomery now. I moved away a couple years ago to North Carolina and Raleigh, um, but I've been back for about two and a half years now. Um, yeah, I'm living smack dad in the middle of Montgomery on the east side. Okay. How is it as far as like restrictions on like what you can and can't do in Alabama um, right now? Well, it... <laughs> It is and it isn't. Like, I'm still eating at restaurants. It's just kind of when you're going out in public, like in a grocery store or something like that, they do expect you to wear a mask um, at all times. Um, but they've lifted a lot of the restrictions as far as not being able to eat the restaurants. Um, it's it's a whole new world. I will say that. And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But I, I think it's kind of good. I think a lot of things needed to change anyway. I personally haven't wanted to shake anyone's hand in about 10 years. So... I understand that. Well, here over in San Diego, it is 100% uh, dictatorship, like totalitarian rule here. Wow. It's, you cannot operate a business inside. It's, it's really weird. So, okay, just to kind of give you an idea, because I knew a little bit about what's going on in Alabama, just because most of my friends are in Alabama still. And I look on Facebook and I'm seeing what they can do. But what's going on here in San Diego and really throughout California is you have to eat outside. So all restaurants have converted to outdoor dining. Um, the shops are still open everywhere. If you go into an establishment, you have to have a mask on. It's no like deciding if you want to or not. You, if you don't have on a mask, they'll kick you out. Yeah. Some places they'll check your temperature before you go in. Like I got my temperature taken at, I think it was guitar center the other day and I had my daughter with me and they checked both of our temperature and there was nobody else in the store. Oh, <laughs> well, um, all live entertainment, has mm-hmm. been canceled. They literally sent around the police to shut down comedy shows here in San Diego about two weeks ago. So what does that meant for you? I, I haven't been able to do stand-up in the last couple of months. Like since this all started, like when the first original shutdown happened, everything closed. Like you, it was like stay in your house. Like so, Zombieland. Yeah, we, 
I went to work and we went to the grocery store and that was it. And then as you know, time kind of went on, I mean, you couldn't even go to the beach and we live on the beach. Like if I showed you out the window right now, you'd be looking at the water. You couldn't go on the beach. So, I mean, here San Diego is like 90% coastline. That's all there is to do. So people were freaking out and imagine, you know, as we got kind of closer to like the end of June, July, things started opening back up. The comedy club started opening back up. Everything was starting to look good. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to start, you know, going back to open mics and stuff. And then it was like that same week, everything shut back down after July 4th. So everything shut down again. And then they slowly started to open back up under the guise of, well, now you have to do everything outside. So all of these really high dollar comedy clubs, like, you know, Comedy Palace, the Comedy Store, the American Comedy Company, they all started operating outdoors. And I was just like, ah, you know, cause it's hot. It's really yeah. hot here. And I was like, you know what? I'll just wait till they go back indoors before I, I start going out to the open mics and stuff again. And now they can't even operate outdoors. The governor yeah, so or the mayor of San Diego shut everything down. So things are closing, like businesses are closing, like the movie theaters, it's dead. That's it. The one in Pravel, I don't know if you remember it or ever went to it growing up, but it is deceased. It's yeah. never going to open back up. I mean, there are a lot of businesses that just cannot survive through a pandemic and a lot of them are closed. Yeah. And um, some of them kind of floated by they were doing like a takeout order specials during the whole um, shutdown where they were like, okay, well you can feed a family of four for $20 and people were going, but at a certain point, you know, people stopped going because they were running out of money because they didn't have a job anymore. And so I've seen a lot of things close and it's been really depressing, especially, you know, trying to start a business and all of this um, and grow your business and your business depends on other businesses and everyone's closing. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. It's hurting everyone. Yeah. I mean, the downtown district of San Diego is like, that was like the party central, all the nice restaurants, all the bars, all the cool stuff. And once everything shut down and then with the protests that happens, cause it got pretty bad here in San Diego. Um, a lot of businesses just boarded up their windows and it stayed like that. So of course the homeless population is going up now because nobody has a job. And then on top of that, they just decided, Oh, well you have to eat outside. So the problem presents itself. Okay. Well now, everybody's outside eating, but there's 700 homeless people walking around yeah. talking to people in the street, doing God knows what in the street. So it just, it, it's not somewhere like, I don't want to take my wife and daughter right. over there for a nice dinner where not it's still the same dinner. price they want to spend, you know, it's to go out for a nice meal somewhere here is like about a hundred, a hundred and ten dollars. Oh, I wouldn't pay that to sit outside anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no. And then the entire time you're sitting out there eating a steak, you have bugs flying on you and there's a homeless dude screaming at nobody 15 mm -hmm. feet away. And I have my daughter there like, what's he doing, daddy? Like, it, <laughs> it's just not a good look. But either way, on, on a lighter note, so we actually know each other personally. Yeah. So, uh, do you, do you want to kind of talk to everybody about how we met? 
Yeah. So, okay. So, um, Taylor and I met in driver's ed in high school at Wetumpka high school and, um, he actually met his wife and did you meet her in driver's ed or did you so mean officially, her officially? Yes. That is okay. where I met her. Yeah. So he met her in driver's ed in the class with me and they started dating in high school and now they're married and living happily ever after. But it all happened because he passed a note to her through me because I sat behind her and she and I were friends and I was like, oh, Taylor's passing a note to Zayna. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> and then he passed it to me. I was like, all right, I'm going to get this to her. And now they're married. It's all me. I'm going to take credit. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate you passing that note because uh, I'd seen Zayna around school, but I didn't see her that often because you and her both, y'all graduated 2013. We graduated the year after you. Right. So, yeah. so I'd seen her around school, but it was always like, like I didn't see her that often. I like, I occasionally I'd see her and I'd be like, who is that? You know, <laughs> like the, I remember the first time I really ever saw her, it was on a, uh, a picture day. And I remember watching her walk across the gym and get her picture taken. And I was like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody around me, you know, I mean, we're all teenage boys and some people said some pretty inappropriate things, you know how it is, but I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to marry time. that one. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> and, uh, I actually tried to shoot my shot one time and talk to her, but she had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, this was all the summer leading up to that year. So I'd already been like, Hey, you know, we should hang out sometime. And she's like, I'm sorry. I have a boyfriend, yada, yada, yada. And, um, I remember it was, we started taking that class and I remember I walked in and I saw her sitting there and I was like, Oh, it's over with. <laughs> <laughs> you mind now girl. <laughs> so I just, you know, I tried to play it cool and uh all this stuff and then i kept falling asleep in the class i didn't have my driver's license like you know a lot of people would take driver's ed because it would give you a discount on your car insurance mm. i didn't have my driver's license yet so i actually needed to pass that class <laughs> and i'd be sitting in there just dozing off and i think the she still talks about it to this day she's like do you remember what the first note you wrote me was and i was like uh uh she was like you passed me a note that said hey I need you to write notes with me and keep me awake in this class <laughs> and yeah that was pretty much it that was all she wrote that was it yep. that's hilarious though I mean she wasn't a super loud person anyway so I mean had you not gotten in that class with her it probably wouldn't happen I mean she wasn't like one of those people that made made everybody look at her you know but she was always very pretty you know so she caught attention naturally yeah She's downstairs right now with our. So how how is your little girl? What's her name again? Lily. Lily. Yeah, she'll be five this December, and it's it's kind of scary because uh, she looks like her mama and acts just mm -hmm. like I do. So that's going to be a dangerous combination when she's about sixteen years old. Well, good luck. <laughs> I'll be praying for y'all because um, I wouldn't want to go <laughs> through yeah. that. It's uh, a. <laughs> Yeah, she is a goofball in every sense of the word. It wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't walk in here in a few minutes and like, what you doing? You talking to people on the computer? You know. Well, that's cool. I don't have any. I have two dogs. They're right here, but no kids. That's, that's another thing. So you just got married. 
Yes, in February on the 2nd. So how is that? It's it's really interesting. It's a learning curve. Um, I It's great. I love it. Um, I really thought it was going to be everybody told me and I didn't believe them one bit. Everybody said it's totally different than dating. And I said, what's the difference? You know, he's just going to live with me. We're just going to be married. It's no difference. Still the same person. I'm the same person. But it's totally, totally different from day one. Um, totally different chemistry, di- different makeup of the household. Um, so it's, it's a learning process and you have to learn every day and you have to wake up every day willing to learn. But and he's awesome. He's the best son I've ever had. And uh, I wouldn't trade him for the world, but it's definitely something that you're not going to get together in the first year. And I've learned that in the first six months. So, <laughs> yeah. How did you guys meet? Um, a funny story. So, when I moved away to North Carolina and then moved back home, um, I kind of lost touch with my friend group that I had, which I mean, we're, we're, back now but like when I first moved home I didn't really feel comfortable in my friend groups and some of the guys that I had seen you know I didn't really want to talk to him anymore um and I felt like I was emotionally in a place where I could start dating again um but I I, I'm not a club girl you know I'll go to a bar every once in a while but I'm not constantly somewhere where they're single men so I was having a hard time meeting someone and when I did did meet someone I was like oh this is not the person (laughs) you know very very picky Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to join Tinder, but I'm not going to date anyone on Tinder. Like, I'm not going to go on dates because that's weird and I don't want to get hurt. And there's going to be a bunch of creeps lying about who they are. I'm just going to join it to see what's out there. Like, I just want to know what's in my area that's worth dating. Um, and I had a Tinder for like three weeks. I matched with a couple of people, didn't ever talk to him because I wanted to be clear. Like, I don't want to date you. Um, and he messaged me. And was, he's, I don't, I actually don't know what the first message he said was, but I didn't reply to it. And, um, he messaged me again a couple days later and was like, so do you want to go to brunch or no? Like, and I was like, oh, sure. I love brunch, you know, whatever. He's cute. He's got a good job, you know, um, I'll just give it a shot. And we went and got brunch at first watch off of Zelda road. And we sat there and talked after eating and I didn't tell him. Cause I didn't want to seem creepy, but I went home and deleted my Tinder like that day. And he did the same thing, but neither one of us told each other. And, um, we've been completely inseparable ever since, like instantly best friends. Um, like I had dated many, many people for many years, like all my relationships have been long-term. Um, but I've never wanted to like, Oh, let's get married, you know? But with him, I was like, Oh, I'm going to marry this dude. Obviously. So, so, so how long, did y'all know each other like from first meeting to your wedding day? How long? Two minutes. Two, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well we met in June and he bought the ring in I think probably September, but he didn't tell me that. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I didn't know. He didn't give it to me until May last year. So we, we dated almost a whole year before we got engaged. Okay. Um, he asked me in Kentucky, he drove me to Kentucky. Um, we got engaged and then it was almost another year before the wedding. So probably 10 months before the wedding. So altogether we've been, we've been together now for two and a half years. Um, but we dated for about 11 months before we got engaged. Wow. Yeah. So 
I had a question on top of my head and I forgot what it was. So, okay. I know what it is now. Did he, did y'all talk about getting married prior to him popping the question or was it a surprise? We talked about it in, in passing, but I was never very, I'm, I'm super like distant, you know, um, even when we were dating and I was like, okay, I love him. You know, I didn't let him call me his girlfriend (laughs) like the first two months. And then when he said, he told me he loved me, I'm like, I don't know you don't, (laughs) you know? And, uh, we were playing around. He was over at my apartment. Um, and he just looked at me one day and was like, I'm going to marry you. And I was like, don't say that. Like, (laughs) it was such a rude reaction, but I didn't know what else to say. I was like, don't say that. You know me for two seconds. And he was like, I'm just telling you. Um, and they, like the discussion kind of happened after that. Like, Hey, you know, like, what do you want in a marriage? Like, what do you, do you want kids? Like, what do you want to do? What's your ideal situation? Um, and then I kind of like coming up to May, I guess in about February, I kind of got a whiff like, okay, he's going to do it soon. It's happening. Like I could, I could feel it in the air. Yeah. <laughs> smell it. Zaina knew like the entire time because <laughs> like me and Zaina actually, we broke up for a little while, right? Pretty much right before we got engaged. We, you know, we've been together since we were 16 years old and you know, that's a, to marry somebody that you started dating when you were 16 is almost unheard of nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, and we always talk about it all the time to where, you know, we dated each other. We were really the first long-term relationship either one of us had really ever had, like outside of just like a couple of months here and there. Mm -hmm. So we broke up, we both dated other people. And when we, you know, got back together, it was, I pretty much told her even before we got back together, like, Hey, I'm going to ask you to marry me if we get back together just so you know you know just so I just wanted to together together (laughs) put it all out on front street like hey if we get back together like I'm planning on asking you to marry me so she knew that and we got back together and pretty much from that point forward like I knew like she really pushed me into becoming an adult I was still you know wanting to party doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And I was 20 years old. Like I was two years out of high school. She graduated the year after me and, you know, we're both really young into adulthood and she's doing really well. She just bought a new car and I'm still wanting to party and, you know, bumming rides from people and stuff like that. So I just wasn't, you know, where I needed to be as far as, uh, you know, progression as an adult. Yeah. And she really pushed me into that. She was like, you know, is this how you want to live? Like all these different things. And when we broke up and, you know, we dated other people, that's what really like made me see like, okay, you don't know what you have until it's gone. So when we got back together, like I knew I wanted to join the military and, you know, she was helping me out with all of that, telling me like, I think we should do this. And we discussed everything. And I remember when I went out and I got the engagement ring, I spent every dollar I had to my name. Was she happy about that? Because she's so responsible. (laughs) 
I spent, and I told her, I was like, Hey, just so you know, this is I'm, everything. <laughs> I'm about to make a purchase here in a few days. And when I give it to you, I need to know that you were going to say yes. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, you say that now, but if I spend all this money, like, and it sounds kind of shady thing to do, but like, that's what I tell all the, you know, younger people that I'm around, like when they're like, oh, you know, especially in the military, when they're all like, I'm thinking about asking this girl to marry me. I'm like, you need to make sure she's going to say yes before you buy an engagement ring. Because don't spend every dollar you have on something and her go, no. And then yeah, you're but just, not only that, but can you imagine like publicly, well, even not publicly, like going, like sitting down and just be like, hey, will you marry me? And just looking at that person, they just be like, no, nah. <laughs> no. Why wouldn't, why would you think that I would? <laughs> yeah. How did, uh, how did Daryl pop the question? If you don't mind me asking, like, did he do it in a public setting? Like, did he have some big, no. Um, and I'm, re and I'm glad. And I told him, you know, early on, I really didn't want that. Um, I'm, it probably doesn't seem that way because I have social media presence and I'm like, ah, look at me, I'm cooking. But I'm, I, I didn't want like a, in the middle of people thing, because I feel like I would get embarrassed and it would take the moment away from me because then I'd, I'd be worried about everyone looking at me and I really just wanted it to be like a personal thing. Um, he, he drove me to Kentucky and we were there for a week and, um, he took me to this really nice restaurant. I'm really into teas and food and stuff. Um, so he found, you know, he had a sister who lives up there, research a bunch of places and find this adorable place. And upstairs, it's like a museum and an antique, um, place, but downstairs it's a, restaurant and it's underneath and it's kind of underground and you walk in and it's dark and the only lights are these like string lights and they come down um it's it's just really romantic and the food is amazing and I kind of knew it was going to happen that day um because everybody was just like real nonchalant when his sister was like when I got there she was like oh, I'm so excited to hang out with you and that day she was like eh. you know and I was like oh yeah. something special is happening today um, and we get to the restaurant and I sat down and they immediately brought me this drink and I'm like, I didn't order this, you know? So they handed me this drink and this champagne flute and I'm like, Oh, it's going to happen. And Daryl pulls something out of his back pocket and it's a necklace. Mm. And I was like, I'm thinking of every cuss word I know right now, because you really made me think you're about to ask me to marry you. And so he gives me the necklace and it's this beautiful necklace. And it was actually for my birthday. It was the day of my birthday. And he was like, well, I just, you know, I wanted to give you something nice for your birthday. And I was like, thanks. And then um, dessert came and then he had a little box. And so he pulled the little box out of his jeans and it was earrings. I was so pissed at this point, like, but I was trying to put on a good face because I didn't want to seem ungrateful and I didn't want his sister to be like, man, she's a B word. Um, but it was earrings and I was, I was pissed. Like, I was like, you know what you're doing. This is mm -hmm. infuriating. So we left the restaurant and we get in the car and I'm like so heartbroken, but I don't want to put it on my face. So Daryl's like, Hey, are you having a good day? And I'm like, yeah, it's a great day. And, um, so he's like, well, um, you know, I'm sorry we couldn't make it to the Derby because we were going for my birthday and the Derby was the week after. And he was like, I really wanted to take you to the Derby, but it just didn't line up this way. Um, but I did schedule for you to go see the horses. 
And so I'm like, okay, you know, day is made. I love horses. So we get there and the people bring out the horses and they're doing like this whole thing. And I'm like in awe and they bring out the little pony <laughs> and I love ponies. And so the guy's like talking this pony up, like his name is blah, blah, blah. And he's blah, blah, blah. And I look over at Daryl and he's like, well, come pet him. And I was like, okay, okay. So I went to go pet him and he had this whole thing planned out with the horse people. And he had the, the, he kind of had the pony ask me to marry. <laughs> it, it was, it was a cheesy, but like in the best way, but the only people that were there were me and him and his sister and his brother-in-law. So it was, it was perfect because there was somebody there to take pictures, but it was really just me and him. Yeah. That's, that's what everybody says. Like, I just want somebody there to take pictures. Yeah. I want to remember the moment outside of my body but I don't want a hundred people clapping after I say yes, because then I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't like it. So I, I never got the story of how you asked Zaina. Okay. <laughs> so, so I just bought this ring and at this point I'm living with Zaina and her parents. Um, basically, uh, once I joined the military, once I had like sworn in and everything, I had a couple of months before I left for basic training and we talked it through with her parents and her parents said, look, if you want to come live here, that's fine because my parents were charging me rent to mm -hmm. live there. And it was like $300 a month. So her parents said, look, if you want to live here, that's fine. We won't charge you any rent. We just want you to save up for your honeymoon. So I was just like, okay, that sounds fine. Well, I ended up living with them. And after I bought the engagement ring, which it actually, the ring was uh, the diamond, like the stone was actually from my mom's ring that my, mm. uh, my dad gave to her. That's and, cute. Yeah. So I had them, you know, fix it up and everything and do all this different type of setting and whatnot. And once I had the ring, I was like, I'm just going to ask her today, you know, but then I was like, no, it's not going to be special. If I just ask her, you know, sitting on the couch in front of her parents, like that's going to be weird. Like I got to make this special, but I had no money. Mm. So I was like, how do I do this in a special way? for as little money as possible. So I held on to the ring and I continued working, like just saving money so I could just have like a good engagement uh, proposal. And what I ended up doing was, I remember she showed me on the computer, uh, I think it's Callaway Gardens in Atlanta. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, and during Christmas time, have, I love the Christmas lights. Yeah, Aww. yeah. And she was like, wow, that sure is pretty. Like, she was kind of like hitting at me like, <laughs> sure is nice. <laughs> ask me here. So I immediately like jumped on the computer and started researching if they had any like engagement packages mm -hmm. and they did. And I picked the cheapest one they had because like mm -hmm. I said, I had like $200 to my name because they had like this big luxurious one where you could get like a like a hotel room there for the night and all this nice fancy stuff. And I was like, I just want to do just the bare minimum, you know? And it was like $65. And what that included was you, you know, it's your tickets to ride through the, the lights and everything. And then you got to this big Oak tree out next to this like 
it's almost like a lake or maybe even just a really big pond, but it's all lit up with white lights and they stop and they have a photographer take a picture of you. And that's when you're supposed to ask the question, right? Mm-hmm. So we get there. I'm nervous as a cat, right? Like she drove up there. I got the ring in my pocket and she's like, why are you acting so funny? <laughs> well, nothing, you know, and I'm sitting there. I have the ring in my pocket and it's just like, it's like holding a hot piece of coal or something. I could just feel it. Like I'm about to pop the question. And the whole time I'm trying to make it look like I'm not like worried about anything. Yeah. So we get up there and you know, I'm, I see this long line. The line is like a four hour wait to get on this thing. Cause it's literally like five days before Christmas. So I just go tell somebody, I'm like, Hey, I'm here for an engagement. Like, I don't know who I need to talk to like, but I paid for an engagement package and she was like, Oh, okay. Uh, come with me. So I went and got her and they walk us straight to the front of the line past everybody. And everybody's just like looking at us, like, you know, and I'm just, Oh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You know, and at different checkpoints, people are stopping us and they're like, how old are (laughs) y'all? And I'm like, I'm 20. And, um, you know, trying not to make it obvious at all. We get to the actual like little tram thing that you ride on. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, do you have a photographer with you? And I'm like, no, I paid for an engagement package that said it included a professional photographer to take our picture. Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, does, does, does anybody have your, do you have your phone on you? And I'm like, you have your phone on you? Yeah. And they asked the people next to me who were sitting, it's just some random couple. Hey, could you take a picture of them when they get off? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I get on this thing and I'm mad, like I'm fuming <laughs> mad. And she's like, what's wrong? You know? And literally I'm just, I'm mad, but I'm like, okay, whatever. I just got to let it go and let it be what it is. And you know, we start pulling up to this big Oak tree and then they stop and then somebody comes to get us and everybody's like, what are we doing? You know? Everybody's like, why isn't this going? Like, why are these two people getting off? And so they're trying to, I was like, Zaina, of course, is like, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're just taking a picture. And she's like, you stopped this entire thing for us to take a picture with your phone. And I was like, just, you know, just like, phone. <laughs> yeah, I was like, just please just get under the tree. Hurry. Just like, <laughs> and so I walked her over there and I just immediately like hopped down on one knee and. I was like, you know, and then they started playing music and they made the lights brighter in the tree and it ended up looking pretty That's nice. Cool. It yeah. was just, I wish we had a better camera than an iPhone four to take the picture with. Cause it's so fuzzy and blurry and you can't hardly see anything. And I was so angry, but she, of course she said yes. And you know, she was really excited about it. So. Yeah. Well, you know, the only bad parts were parts that only you knew she just got to experience the good parts, you know, so that's the point. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, real quick, I don't know why it's telling me this. It's never done this before, but it's saying our meeting time. We have have four. Yeah. Um, if this ends, I'll just call you back and we'll keep going. 
and I can okay. edit the two clips together. Okay. I was um, wondering, I was like, I'm not sure. I've never been on a Zoom this long. So I was like, well, maybe it just does this. I don't know. I've done it before where I've done it almost two and a half hours and it's never been an issue. That's so weird. I hope, if maybe it's it'll just, in my settings. I have no idea, but so. if it does, I will. And I'll probably edit me saying this out. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, obviously we talked a little bit before the episode, but you said that you were Jehovah's witness for a little bit of time. Do you care to talk about that at all or? Yeah. Um, so my mom is not a Jehovah's witness, but my dad is, and I kind of grew up in a mixed household. Um, I just, I spent time with my mom and then I spent time with my dad and I was living with my mom when I went to Wetumpka high school and you know, Wetumpka schools and my dad lived in Montgomery and, um, so I, I split my time between the two of them. So I was kind of always just like not mentally, oh, I hit my microphone. I was kind of always not mentally in with the Jehovah's Witnesses just because I had outside knowledge and to really be a Jehovah's Witness, you kind of only have to know what you know. Um, but um, when it got to the point where I was a little bit older, you know, the way that their organization works is like, you have to make a decision. Are you going to be a Jehovah's Witness and be a part of this family or are you going to not be a Jehovah's Witness and not be a part of the family? Right. And I mean, when you're 17, 18 years old and you're presented with that option, you're going to pick your family because what else are you going to do? How are you going to like, where are you going to go? You don't have any connections. You don't have any money. How are you going to get through college? You know? Um, so I chose my family and I joined their organization, which to them just means getting baptized in their organization. And I knew I was making a mistake as I was doing it, but I wanted to, you know, I have a little sister um, and a little brother and my dad's children and I didn't want to lose contact with them and, you know, or, or my father, you know, so I got baptized and he, um, I ended up leaving Wetumpka High School because it was, um, in his eyes, just it wasn't a good Full place. of worldly people. Yeah. So, um, ended up leaving there and lost connections with all of my friends from high school because I wasn't allowed to talk to them and went to go live with him and things went south, obviously, because you can't live two lives. You have to, you cannot live a double life and nobody can. And so, you know, I got caught, you know, just not living like a Jehovah's Witness because I really mentally wasn't one. And so things went south there. And in that organization, it's kind of um, black and white. Either you're with us or you're against us. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak badly of anyone in the organization because I don't think that they're all bad people. But I do think that there has to be a, a certain level of ignorance for a lack of a better term. Um, I think if you're educated, if you're too educated, you can't stay there because you know, you're too, you're too awake. You're too open. You're like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. You know, you can't treat people like this. Definitely not in God's name. Like, you know, so it got to a point where I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry. You know, I can't do it. I got caught and they were, you know, reprimanding me. You know, it got to a point where it was like, you know, I have to choose between me and what I want. Um, 
and being a part of my family's life. And at the end of the day, you know, I love my family. I still do. I still love my dad. I forgive him for, you know, everything he's put me through, but I had to choose myself. Um, so I left at 17 and things got really hard for me. Um, I had a really terrible boyfriend <laughs> that I lived with and I won't say his name because he went to school with us, but I, you know, I lived with him and his family and I was broke and I was working as a waitress and it was just absolutely awful and it got abusive. So I had to remove myself from the situation and I just somehow ended up back <laughs> in his house because it was my only option. I was a child. I was uneducated. I was broke and I stayed levitating. You know, I had to work my way back in. You can't just go back to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I had to work my way back in. So I spent about a year doing that. Um, and then I kind of just floated in the organization. I wasn't really doing too much to stay in, but I was trying everything I could not to get kicked out, you know, and still staying true to myself. Um, and I just got some education under my belt and I spent the time, you know, getting educated, getting a good job, getting some money, money, getting some money. Um, and, getting to a point where I could choose, you know, choose myself. Um, and at that point it was an active decision. It wasn't like me getting in trouble or me getting caught. Um, it was just like, um, you know, Hey guys, I, I love you. And I wish that we could be a part of each other's lives, but unfortunately it's not the way you think. And I disagree with it. And if it were up to me, we would all be in each other's lives, but I am a, an adult now. And I have to start thinking about what I want and what my future is going to look like for me. And, you know, when I get to a point where I want to get married, I don't want to marry one of you. And I don't want to raise my children the way I was raised. You know, I suffered a lot of mental, just, I mean, the emotional turmoil that being in that organization is, it was just too much. And it caused a lot of issues for me even into adulthood, you know, some things that I'm still learning to heal through now, um, you know, and I, I haven't spoken to my dad with the exception of one time right after I got engaged. I haven't spoken to him in four, almost five years now. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's, um, it's not an easy decision. It's not easy to leave. Um, it's, you know, some people, make the decision to stay, even though it's not what they really want. And those are a lot of people that turn into statistics. I yeah. mean, that, that organization has a lot of drug abusers and it has a lot of suicides. I mean, it's yes, one of it the highest, highest rated suicide organization religiously in the world. You are um, one of the only former Jehovah's witnesses that I've sat down and talked with in the only one that I've talked to on a public forum like this, like, occasionally I'll meet someone even in the military that like when I tell them like, yeah, I grew up a Jehovah's witness. They're like me too. And we sit and we it's talk like about meeting a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so like, like how was it for you? And you know, but we were pretty much around the same congregations. I'm mm -hmm. sure at some point or another, we probably as children probably attended a meeting together at one Maybe way so. or another. I mean, God, that's so weird. Cause like for me, 
and I've spoken about it briefly before on here. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness as well. I was born into it. I was second generation on my mom and my dad's side. So my mom's parents started in the early 70s. They were like big time hippies. And <laughs> they, I mean, I'm talking about part of like communes and like went to Woodstock and things like that. And then once they had kids, they met this couple and I won't say their names, right. but they, you know, introduced them to um, Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. So they started doing it. My mom was raised into it. She did it for 33 years. She was disfellowshipped. She, you know, married my dad who, you know, alcoholic, drug abuse. I mean, you name it. He was, he got, he's been disfellowshipped so many times. I think he's the record holder. <laughs> and I don't know if he still is a practicing Jehovah's Witness or not. I haven't spoke to him in a, a good while. Um, but really what it was, so I was born into it and you know, never believed in Santa Claus, never mm. celebrated Halloween. I mean, you know, just as well as I do, there were no holidays. You never had a birthday party, anything like that. And that, and that's one of those like major, like social skills building events. I feel like for, especially young kids, like whenever kids go to birthday parties, they establish, you know, friendships and connections and they make friends like, Oh, we should have a spend the night. Like I wasn't allowed to spend the night at anybody's oh, house. Oh heck no. Yeah. Oh, There's you, demons at everyone's house. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh no, they're worldly people. You can't go yeah. over there mm -hmm. and just go into the meetings, you know, three, four times a week. I mean, we didn't have time for sports. We didn't have time for, doing martial arts or anything, all the cool stuff, all the other kids were doing like, Oh, I can't do that. Cause I have to go to the meeting yeah. on Thursday night and sit there and be silent and completely still for hours and listen to the same thing you heard last week. Yep. And in my grandparents, my dad's side, when I would do my, what was supposed to be my visitation with my dad every two weeks after my mom and my father got divorced, uh, I would just go to my grandparents' house and they were mm -hmm. devout Jehovah's witnesses. Mm -hmm. And every weekend we were going into field service on Saturday. <laughs> Are you getting we, flashbacks? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we were going into field service on Saturday and we were going to the meeting on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't go, it was a treat. It was like, yeah. what? You know, we get to, we get to play instead of, you know, getting dressed up in our Sunday best and going mm -hmm. around all these people who are going to be pinching our cheeks and telling me I look so much like my dad. Like, mm -hmm. so as I got a little bit older, I started questioning things a little bit. That's not allowed. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we stopped going for a little while when I was about 12 or 13. We just it wasn't like our number one priority. I think, uh, my mom and her second husband, uh, were together and he was a Jehovah's witness as well. And we just, he worked so much and it was so difficult for my mom to get three kids ready to go down to the kingdom hall. You know, it was just like, look, I'm not going to do all of this. Like yeah. it shouldn't be that important. Well, when that was going on, 
is like in the very beginnings was when my mom and her second husband, they started arguing a lot and he was uh, battling a prescription drug addiction. He, uh, he had a, yeah, he had a rare um, blood disorder. It's called hemochromatosis. And basically all he had to do was tell a doctor that that's what he had and they would give him muscle relaxers, anything he asked for. And he started abusing them and he worked so often. He was always on the road working. He uh, traveled around fixing palletizers for uh, like Coca-Cola and things like that. And um, so he would, there was no way to monitor what he was doing. So they were arguing a lot. And I remember the Jehovah's witnesses would just show up to our house, like on Saturday mornings and they'd just be beating on our door. Like, how come you guys aren't coming to the meetings? Yeah, it's called a um, shepherd shepherding call. Yep. That's what they called it. Yeah. Yep. And they're always like, how come you guys aren't coming to the meetings? You know? Well, and occasionally we'd go here and there. We'd go to like the memorial and things like that, but it was never like full time like it was when I was younger. Hmm. Well, whenever my mom and her second husband started getting a divorce, um, it was really hard on my mom. And just that sense of community, mm -hmm. it kind of pulled us back in. But at this point, you know, I'd kind of, yeah, at this point, I'd kind of been exposed to, hey, this is how everybody else lives. Yeah. Like, like, this is crazy. This is not good. Normal people are doing this. Why aren't you doing it? Yeah. The first friend that I stayed with, I was in the eighth grade and he lived right down the road from me. And he was like, yeah, do you want to come? like spend the night at my house and I go over to his house and I just had a ball. Like mm -hmm. we went out and we wakeboarded and we did all this stuff and we had so much fun. I remember I ranted and raved about that. And I, during the time that we weren't going before I started playing football and, you know, all these different things. And, you know, I'd kind of seen how everybody else was living and now it's time to go back to the kingdom hall. Yeah. And, we went back for a couple of months and I remember telling my mom, I was like, Hey, are you, is this really what you want to be doing? I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I wouldn't be going to these unless it made you feel better. Right. Like She got mad about it at first, but then she was like, you know what? You're right. And when we moved out of our house in Titus, we moved, when they got divorced, we moved into an apartment complex in Wetumpka and they helped us move, but the, it was all under the, you know, basically, um, I, I'm forgetting the right word, but they were basically just doing it because like, you're going to be at the meeting on yeah. Tuesday, right? So once all that kind of came full circle and she kind of opened her eyes and she started feeling a little bit better after mm -hmm. the divorce, she started wanting to get out there and start dating again. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they were completely against that. Like, no, you should, you should be coming to the kingdom hall. You should be, you know, doing this and, you know, maybe you'll find a, a single brother who, and I'm just like, you That's know, well. <laughs> and I mean, I have, you know, I've had girlfriends and stuff that aren't Jehovah's witnesses this entire time, like, because mm -hmm. it wasn't a big deal. So when we finally like stopped going, it was like a couple of months before me and Zaina started dating. 
And that was really the last times that we went, but they still, for like a year after that, they were beating on our door, calling us, you know, how how come you guys aren't coming? How come you guys aren't coming? And we just never returned to calls. And I never was baptized though. That's the difference. Um, Well, that's, that's, that's awesome because (laughs) you're not included. You can't be excluded. (laughs) Yep. And that's one thing that my mom said, because, you know, when you're, I remember seeing kids as young as eight, nine years old getting baptized. My and sister was baptized at 14. I mean, I, I don't know what she's doing now, but yeah. I can only imagine that by this point she realizes it was a mistake and there's no way out. Yeah. And when I was like eight and nine years old, I was already giving talks. Like that was really my, like any type of public speaking, being in front of people, I was speaking at the kingdom hall because- <laughs> theocratic ministry school (laughs) yeah I wanted to be included you know it it was the only outlet that I had so I was like I want to do that yeah and when they're the only friends you have you want them to accept you and you want them to you know because they don't hang out with you if you're you know you get to a certain age and they don't want to hang out if you're not baptized Mm -hmm. and they don't want to hang out if you're not going out in field service putting out hours you know And so you want to be included with the only people you're allowed to associate with. So you get yourself in a hole and you can't dig yourself out. But I definitely, I I remember like field service. Like I used to wake up in the morning on Saturday mornings and throw up because I, that's how bad I did not want to go. Yep. But I had to go anyway, you know, and I had to put my hours in, you know, how they track you. Mm -hmm. Like it was just insane. Like I would wake up and immediately go to the bathroom and throw up because I'm like, this is the most nerve wracking thing. I don't want to go knock on this person's door who doesn't want to be disturbed in the yep. middle of football season and yep. did you ever get they, screamed at knocking on somebody's yes. door yeah an old lady one time but she wasn't screaming at me she was screaming at my dad because it was like it was so cold it was like so cold to be Alabama and we were knocking on a door and I was out there and I went through my whole presentation and I went through the whole thing and I was so nervous and blah, blah, blah. And she just looked so angry. And she looked at my dad and she was like, how dare you have this little girl out here in this weather doing this? Like, th- she doesn't want to be doing this. She's a child. How dare you? And she just went off and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I worked so hard on this. I had to stay up till like 10 o'clock last night doing this. You know, they made me practice it. Yeah. That was the same way with me with the theocratic ministry school. Like I would, I went and talked to one of the elders and I was like, I'd like to give a talk. And he was like, I'm going to give you a shot. So he'd give me a scripture and he'd be like, and it would be my mom who went through it mm-hmm. and did everything. Because if I just went up there and you know, completely messed up and did a terrible job. They would have all looked at my mom like, you know, this is, you know, like I was representing her. So, I mean, I, my grandfather still has a recording of it. I remember giving that talk. The, I don't know if you remember the Montgomery congregation. Um, it had that like little outside pond area and there was, Oh, 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 the Montgomery East one. Yeah. 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 Um, it was my in, uncle went there, Ray. Do you not know Ray and Alexis? They were a mixed couple. She's black and he's Korean. That sounds really familiar. That's my uncle and my aunt. You're uh, digging in deep. Very, you're digging in some very <laughs> deep parts of the brain. Am I, in, am I in your subconscious? Yes. I'm like, I'm going to be thinking about that tonight. Like, I know <laughs> them. And a face is going to pop in my head. I'm going to be like, that's who it was. 
I definitely um, was at that congregation many, many times. So I may have seen you. But I remember going into that little back room and it was just slam packed with people because, mm-hmm. you know, I was eight years old giving a talk and my grandfather recorded it. And I can't remember it even, it was some scripture from Isaiah, but I remember doing it. And that was like the first time I ever got up in front of people and spoke. So I always look back at that, like, wow, I was eight years old and I was, you know, speaking, doing public speaking, which mm-hmm. is something I, you know, try to make a living doing now. I want to make a living doing now, but, um, yeah. So we stopped going when I was 15 and, you know, it was like, that's why I had so much fun my high school years because now I was free, you know, I could date who I wanted to date. I could, you know, do whatever I wanted to. And there was, my mom always pushed on me. She was like, look, there's, I want you to decide for yourself what you want to do when you're an adult, which was kind of like contradictory to what, was being told to me by everybody else. Yeah. And one of her big things was I don't want you to wait until marriage to have sex with someone. Yeah. Like that is not realistic. (laughs) She was like, you don't because like my cousins and I, I don't mean to throw them under the bus. I won't say their names, but like they got married at a very young age. Because that's the only way you can, explore yourself yeah and it was or move out most of the time with them yeah exactly and you know they were 17 years old when they got married to their first boyfriend they would be dating for you know three months and it was all chaperoned dating at that yeah 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 never alone yeah before you know it oh they're they're getting married and they have no idea who they are because like how do you get married to someone and like dedicate your life to that person and you've never been alone with them. Like you've never had silence between the two of you. There has always been someone to fill the void. Like you have no idea. You don't get to talk about deep personal things when there's someone in the room. Yeah. You know, I, and and that's, Oh golly. (laughs) And I'm not knocking dating. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not knocking anybody who's still in the religion. Like it's just not for me. Oh yeah. I mean, I support anybody doing anything that makes them happy and is good for them. Um, but I definitely disagree with the way that they treat people. I do believe that, you know, any religion, people are entitled to believe whatever they want and that's fine. I just don't like the way they treat people. Yeah, And that's my biggest issue is like, if you want to believe, you know, that people can't take blood to save their lives, that's fine. But if somebody chooses to save their child's life because all they needed was some blood, well, the way you treat them is what makes you a Christian. That's what I think. You know, the way that you choose to treat people that are not like you and don't agree with you is what makes you a Christian. And if you cannot treat them with kindness, I don't agree that you're a Christian. But I mean, that's just me. Absolutely. Like, I feel the exact same way. And that was something my mom said. She was like, hey, if we're in a car accident, and you are needing blood, you're going to get blood. Absolutely. There's no, there's absolutely, I mean, unless you are just completely, completely brainwashed and some, some of them are, you know, there's, I don't know a parent in the world 
who would look at that situation and say, no, I think I'll just let her die. But I do know people. I know a family um, who let their child die. And she was, I think, eight or nine. And all she needed was a blood transfusion and she would have lived. It was simple. And they let her die. And I know of a, a gentleman who's a little older than me and they got married really young really young and they were married for like three months before she got something wrong with her I don't even remember what it was but she got hospitalized and went septic and they were like okay well we can take this out and do this and do this and he was like I don't want any organs no she can't have a transplant and they were like she's gonna die like she's gonna die today if you don't get her this transplant like we have her we have a donor for her like we can do this right now he was like no and she died you know, and he had to watch her like die choking on her own vomit. And I'm like, you know, that is not like, you know, not everybody believes in God and that's fine with me too. But like I do, and I know, you know, in my heart that the God that I follow would never want anybody to die brutally like that with their mate watching them. I would do anything and everything to keep Daryl alive. Like take it out of me and give it to him. I don't care, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I feel the same way about my family. Like I cannot yeah. even comprehend believing that, well, you know, if she passes away, she'll just, you know, we'll see her again in the new system. But what if you don't, <laughs> you yeah, know, what, what if, if you're you don't? wrong? If you're that's wrong? the biggest, <laughs> that's the biggest question that I feel like a lot of them refuse to face is what if this isn't the truth? Right. What if you're not perfect? What if whoever came up with this idea isn't perfect? Because yeah. none of us are. And a lot of them, you can't, you can't figure out like where it all started. Right. You know, you have to find out from outside sources. Like I've watched documentaries on Netflix as an adult where they talk about cults and yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses will pop up in there. And there's all oh, these things 100%. that you start to realize like now that you're distanced a couple of years away from it as an adult and you're like, Oh my God, that's what we were doing. Yes. You know, like how you have to have two witnesses to report a crime to anyone. Oh, oh, child abuse. Child abuse, child molestation, yes. uh, cheating on a partner, anything like that. If it's just me that witnesses it, well, then it doesn't hold any water. Right. I actually went through a situation. Um, you know, with my siblings. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because I know they won't see it. But um, a couple years ago, it was before I met Daryl and before I moved away to North Carolina. So maybe like four, four years ago, it was right before I moved. Um, my siblings reached out to me and they found me um, via social media and they were like, we need help. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever you need. I don't care. You know, and my dad has never physically hurt me um but he was always very very rough with the boy um and I don't know if it was my 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 dad is a very like macho domineering type of person like you know I'm I can't wear pink men are supposed to do this men are not supposed to do that you know very toxic and he always pushed that on my brother even at a young age like nine years old like you don't do that girls do that you know, like very tough, very, very physically rough with him. And I always felt that it would turn into an abusive thing as he got older and bigger. 
but I wasn't in the house to experience it. And so I just hoped that it didn't. Well, my sister reached out to me and was like, you have to do something to help us. Like Roman is my brother's name. Roman's being hurt. Like I'm scared. And she told me that my dad had like, um, you know, had been hitting him, but it had gotten worse recently, you know, like that she told me that she wasn't going to reach out to me because she didn't want to get in trouble and all this kind of stuff. And she was scared, but she told me that, you know, my dad had hit my brother and put him on the ground and was like kicking him and stomping on him. Like, yes. And she was like, I wouldn't say this if I didn't genuinely think that we need to get out of this house. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do? You know, what do I do? I'll help you any way I can do whatever you need to do, but we need to get this documented. You need to go to your school counselor and you need to tell her so that when I take this to the big, to the big boys, we have documentation. That's not just me. And so she went to her school counselor and her school counselor was like, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm behind you, you know, this, 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 and that. And so I spoke with my mother and I spoke with a woman that works at CPS and she said, you know, before you move forward with this, you need to make a decision. You need to think, you know, weigh the pros and the cons. Say that this goes your way and they get removed from the house. Is, is whatever situation they end up in going to be better? Because then I had to think, do they have family that's going to take them? They don't, you know? So they're going to end up in foster care and that could potentially separate them. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to the police. I, I can't because if they get taken, it's on me and I can't do anything because I can't take them. So I decided that I was going to tell his elders because that's his authority. You know, that's who he respects. The only people in the world he respects. So I called his coordinator and I was like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And he was like, okay, you know, is this about you coming to the meetings? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, my sister reached out to me and said that, you know, my brother has been being abused and this is my first step. I need you to do something. I know that he respects you. I don't know what your process is, but I need something to happen because I need to know that those kids are safe. And they were like, okay, well, we'll, we'll host a meeting. You know, we can get him in here and you can be there and we'll talk to him and you just tell him what you know and tell him your concerns. And then, you know, maybe tell him that, you want some assurance that it's going to get better. And if not, you'll go to the police. Well, I get there. And they made the whole meeting. I mean, my father <laughs> and these elders made the whole meeting about me not coming to the meetings and going out in field service. They totally drifted over the fact that I said, my father is beating my brother and he's a child. He's not big. He's not like a big 16 year old. He's a baby, you know, like he's little. And I was like, I, I can't believe this. So I just went slap off on all of them. And we left and I told my dad, I like, I looked my dad in the eye and I was like, do not speak to me again. <laughs> like, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. We're done. And I just, I left it alone after that. And I've just like continuously, Daryl and I've made it a point of prayer to just always pray that if those kids decide to leave, that they'll come to me first because it would have changed my life if I had someone to go to, you know, right. but yeah, I went off on a rant there. <laughs> hey, I know it's okay. And I'm glad that you shared that. That's, uh, that's insane. Like, and the thing that I take from that is imagine doing that to your child or 
being in the presence of someone that you know is abusing a child and thinking, well, I've been coming to the meetings pretty much my entire life, so I will go to the promised land because of like that mentality is the thing that really kept me away is just this whole idea of, you know, like my dad is a terrible alcoholic and a really bad with drug abuse and everything. But there are people that will believe that, you know, he has a more of a right to be in the new system than someone else just because he was in the truth. And I used to ask questions like, well, what about, you know, this tribe in Africa that doesn't have any outside, you know, sources other than missionaries or, you know, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Are those people not deserving to come to the new system of things because they've never been exposed to it? Are they just going to be destroyed in Armageddon like everybody says there is? Or what about this girl that I like who is just the sweetest thing ever, you know, but she was raised as a Catholic. Is she going to, you know, die in Armageddon and be destroyed? And I'm just going to have to be okay with that, even though she's a great person, mm-hmm. you know? And when you start asking questions like that, they're, they just like, Oh, and nobody knows. Nobody That's, knows. Yeah, they just, just all the all, the only answers they have is you need to have faith. You need to trust. Um, you need to trust the Bible. But like the Bible doesn't say any of this. Like where are you getting it? You know, your Bible might say it, but you've changed everything in there. Like in, they just focus. It's not Bible based. Any of their stuff. It's Watchtower based, and the Watchtower is written by men yeah. and a bunch of old white men who claim that they're going to heaven, but no one else on the planet is like yeah. what in the world? Why, what makes you think I'm going to listen to them? Look yeah. at me. Like I'm not, <laughs> I don't relate to them in any way. And that's I'm another so- thing too. There is no women leadership in any but, congregation. Every congregation has for the people that are listening that don't know every congregation has elders, right? Mm-hmm. My grandfather is an elder. There's probably people in your family who are elders. That's like the you know, you want to be an elder when you get older as a Jehovah's witness. Only if you're a man though. Right. And it's all, every decision that's made by the congregation is all done by a group of men. So if I'm an elder and you accuse me of something, I'm automatically going to like whatever I say is going to hold the, just like you just said about what happened with your dad, it's going to hold more weight with the rest of the elders because I'm one of them, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. and that touches on so many things like with child abuse or child molestation, like they'll just, people won't believe them. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they will literally say I've read account after account after account. There's a whole Reddit section dedicated to, um, child abuse victims in the Jehovah's Witness organization or from the Jehovah's Witness organization. And all of them have the same thing to say. They're like, you know, they, every time I tried to tell them, they just say there, there was no proof and that I had to pray about it and they would never look into it. There was never anything done. And these were the only people I knew to come to because I was taught that the police are not, you know, not people to go to. And I was taught that the military is bad. And I was taught that people, that my teachers didn't have my best interest at heart, you know? So, I I mean, it's just totally manipulative and totally insane. And the way that they treat women is awful for anyone listening who's not educated on the situation. There are 
there's no female leadership. When the females are in the presence of a man, they are not allowed to pray um, out loud. Um, if for some reason that they do have to pray with a group of women um, and no men in the vicinity, they have to cover their heads because mm-hmm. um, not to disgrace God by approaching him. Um, they, um, in a marriage, in a Jehovah's Witness marriage, the woman is taught to be totally submissive to her husband, meaning he makes all the decisions and you follow them and you are not to question him, which anybody who knows me knows that that was never going to work anyway. Um, so I mean, it's totally awful for women, but a lot of them don't know any different because that's what they were raised and that's what their moms do. And so that's how they live. And a lot of them, like my stepmother, my father's wife, she's never worked. Yeah. She's, she has no, like, I, I hate to say this cause it sounds so ugly, but I mean it like she has no worth. Like she, yeah, she doesn't show. have any skills. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she doesn't have a, a degree or a job or she's never, I mean, I don't, I don't even think she has her, she's ever had her own bank account. I think she just jumped straight to my dad and I'm not sure she has credit. Like I, you know, she's always, my dad has paid the bill. She's not had a job. She's just been a homemaker. And then she was a, a house mom. You know, she has no, she has no skills. She's not good with people. You know, she's not marketable at all. Like I don't, you know, all of her opinions are my dad's opinions. What my dad says is law. You know, I don't know that I don't, I grew up with her. They got married when I was like four. And I don't even think she has a favorite color. Like she's an empty shell. And that's the only way to describe a lot of these women in this organization because they're just taught to be good to your husband, cook for your husband, do your wifely duties, you know, like it's not good. And the, the highest status that a woman can get is a pioneer, which just means you go out in field service and knocks on people's, knock on people's doors a lot. And it, it brings you no worth and it brings you no happiness, you know, yeah. it's uncomfortable and you can't force other people to believe what you want them to believe. So you're, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. You know, I actually, I have a funny story about how like when women would have to pray and there were no men around that they would have to do it with a head covering. So when I was little, I was like maybe six, seven years old my grandmother, um, I would go, sometimes I would go stay with her like during the holidays and stuff just because, Oh, go stay at Meemaw's house. And, uh, I would just go up there and I would be, we would go to the meeting of course. And I remember something happened where there were no elders, no men there. I can't remember exactly what the reason was, but we were about to go into field service and, you know, she was the most senior person there. So she had to pray and she didn't have a head covering. So she used the little leather briefcase that I carried my Bible and songbook and put that on her head in the parking lot and said a prayer. And I remember, (laughs) I remember standing there like trying so hard not to laugh. Yeah. Because it was like, this is, and I'm a six and seven years old thinking like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Like, what in the world is that going to do? Like, don't you think that if anything, it's going to get in the way of your prayers making it up there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, you want them to not only go through the sky and get to heaven, now you want them to go through leather. <laughs> yeah. 
I just, I, I don't know. There's so we could talk about this for days and days and days, and I'm glad we brought it up. But one of the main reasons I reached out to you today, we'll kind of get off the subject of religion. I, once again, I appreciate you talking with me about it because a lot of people, you know, it's a sensitive subject. But one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about is your YouTube channel, your Southern Sassy Chef. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, okay, so it's kind of something I always wanted to do and something that a lot of my friends have always asked me to do and my husband because I'm always cooking, always. Um, my job job um, is only part-time. I work in a dental office and um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays I leave at three and Mondays and Wednesdays I work normal hours, but I'm off Friday. Um, and so I just have a lot of free time on my hand and I use it all to just cook, 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 cook. Always cooking for my friends, always making new stuff for my husband. And people for years were like, I don't understand why you don't post your recipes online. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I just made a Facebook in 2018. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not one of those people that's like, Oh, look at me. You know, I'm not good um, at that, or I wasn't. Um, but then the pandemic hit and I was at home for eight weeks and I was losing my mind because I have always been a busy person, busy, 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 always on the go. And I was just at home. I didn't go anywhere. Daryl wouldn't let me go to the grocery store because I got into two confrontations with people who were touching me at the grocery store, like not touching me, but like physically just touching Mm me. And Um, he was like, okay, you can't go to the grocery store anymore. I'll go for us, whatever, just give me a list. So I wasn't leaving the house. So I, um, you know, daddy Trump sent me that stimulus check and I was Mm -hmm. like, Hmm, I'm going to put this to some use because I don't really need it because my Daryl was working the whole time. So it's not like we were hurting for money. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a camera and I'm going to do the cooking show. And so I did, I bought a camera, I bought a really nice camera, Daryl and I bought some lights and, um, a couple different microphones. I've got a couple sitting here and a U mic to clip onto you. And I was like, okay, Daryl, we're going to do a cooking show. And he was like, yeah, all right, I'm ready. You know, he works with cameras for a living. He's on the news. So he, when he's not in front of the camera, he's always shooting. So he had experience and he kind of just showed me the ropes. And um, it was a really hard adjustment in the beginning because I'm not good. Um, I'm okay now, but like, I'm, I wasn't good at being like, hey guys, welcome to the sassy Southern chef, you know, and it was so uncomfortable for me because there's nobody there. And I listened back at it and I'm like, Oh, I sound like I'm five. Like, why do I sound like that? I hate myself. And, um, you know, it, it takes a minute to get over your insecurities. Cause I'm like, man, I don't look good from that angle. Like I should get a nose job, <laughs> you know? Um, but after a while, I just kind of fell in love with it, you know, just like making these recipes. And the more people were like messaging me being like, I have no idea how to cook. Like, I don't know how to do it. My mom didn't know how to do it. And that's really common with our generation is a lot of our women don't know how to cook because their mothers didn't teach them or they didn't know, you know? So all of my friends were like, I've been waiting on you to do this for years. Like, I'm so excited that you're doing it. I tried your recipe and it was, it was so easy. You explained it so easily and it came out well and I love it. And my husband loved it. And like, that brought me so much joy I was just like, okay, I'm going to keep doing it. Even if nobody watches me, even if I have three followers, I'm just going to keep doing it because the three followers that I do have, it's, it's worth it. Um, so I just kept doing it and kept doing it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then I just kind of thought we've got to mix it up. You know, I'm, I'm cooking, I'm in the kitchen, you know, something 
has to give. Um, so I was like, well, let's just start doing restaurant reviews. Let's reach out to restaurants and say, Hey, give me some food, you know, and I'm going to review it and we're going to see where that goes. And so I reached out to, um, the cheesecake emporium and I went and tried their egg rolls and Oh my God, they were so good. And we did a video and it blew up like, um, you know, partly because the restaurant is phenomenal partly because a lot of people didn't know it was there because it's very small mm -hmm. and also because it is a black owned business, you know, and I want to support that. Um, people were like, Oh, boom, 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 boom. Share this, go watch this, go eat here. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. I really like it. And I get food, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so we started doing that and it kind of just, it's transferred into a lot of other things. There's a lot of branches to it. I've had people send me things, um, to put in the video, um, like I had somebody send me some essential oils that you cook with. Um, and they sent me like this many of those, so many, and they were like, just put them in the video, just put them in the video. And I was like, fine, whatever. So I did. I mean, it's just, it's been really fun. I don't, I mean, I'm not trying to monetize it. Um, it's not something that I'm trying to like get rich doing or be an influencer or be YouTube famous. It's just something I really like doing. And I really like that people like to watch it. Yeah. So that kind of is where it went and that kind of transferred into the video marketing thing. I'm keep hitting my mic. I'm sorry. Um, but it kind of transferred into the video marketing thing. Daryl and I were just sitting on the couch one day and we were all like, you know what? Like we're good at this, you know? Um, he was like, you have really good camera presence, but like, also I think that, you know, you have talent for seeing, you know, certain angles and certain things and he's definitely good at it. It's what he does. Um, so we just got online and started researching, you know, how to, how to start this, how to do this, you know, what, what our niche was and we found it and we just started reaching out to our business owner friends and be like, Hey, you know, let's do this video. We're going to make you an ad. Like we're going to do this. This is how much we want. You know, we're going to start this and surprisingly we're awesome at it. Like, I don't want to sound cocky, but like we're really good and it's just, it was just our calling and we didn't know it. Um, but it just kind of happened. And now that's, that's, that's mainly what I'm doing now is just the video marketing business is I, I work, you know, from home marketing the business and Daryl and I, you know, Daryl does most of the camera work because he's better at it. And, um, we both do the post editing and stuff like that because we're both really good and we have different views of what makes things good. I'm, better at like food clients knowing what looks better and like um we did a wedding and I'm I, I'm better at knowing what a bride would want and stuff like that but we also did one for a sports radio station and he definitely is gonna know better what they want and what they want it to look like and sound like and I think that we make an awesome team and it's it's been really it's been a really cool adventure starting a business and just like seeing it grow naturally and organically. Like we really haven't been advertising or promoting it at all. We've just kind of been letting it grow on its own. And I think the most rewarding thing is just seeing how it can grow organically, just word of mouth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. To touch on uh, the cooking thing. So I like to cook as well. It's, Do um, you? <laughs> yeah, I, I love to cook. I'm, I was pretty much raised by a single mother and, mm -hmm. you know, even at a young age, and I, I hate to do this, but my mom has never really been a great cook. Yeah, well, mine neither. <laughs> and um, 
but she would show me how to make things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think one of the first things I talked to her, like, Hey, can you show me how to make this was like scrambled eggs. Mm-hmm. And she showed me how to do it. And whenever she would make something, I would always try and add something to it to make it taste a little bit better. Yeah. That's where it starts. And as I got older during the summer times, you know, I was like 10, 11 years old. I would watch myself at home because, you know, we weren't going to pay for childcare at that age. And I was, you know, pretty mature for a 10, 11 year old. And I would have to cook for myself during the day. So I would wake up in the mornings and cook like a full breakfast with, and cook lunch. Like I'd make like a cheeseburger for lunch or something like that. And we were also, we didn't have a lot of money. So I had to be creative with what we did have. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, you know, my first job was at a restaurant and I was just, you know, I was interested in learning like how to cook this, how to make this. And I learned a lot. I actually worked at Coach's Corner in Wetumpka. Oh, I love them. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I was, I worked at the salad station, but I would be like, Hey, show me how to cook this steak, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I would go over there and learn. And I I was always trying to learn, like, how do I do this? What do I do with this? And now, you know, I do it. I cook a lot here because, you know, growing up in that dynamic of, you know, under a single mom, I, you know, I always tried to help her. And I think Mm -hmm. that really helped me be, a better husband because I don't have any problem doing around the house household chores that, you know, normally people would say a woman should do. Yeah. I don't, I don't really believe in that. So like I can fold clothes, I can wash clothes, I can, you know, bathe our daughter, I can Mm -hmm. clean around the house, vacuum and cook and load the dishwasher when I'm done. So Zaina, will always argue with me against this, but I, I personally feel like I'm the chef of the house. I always <laughs> try the, the hardest things to make. And it's just because yeah. I worked in restaurants and I have more experience. Um, and I like learning how to make new stuff all the time. Like something I've never tried before. I'm like, I'm going to try this. And if it ends up pretty good, I'll be like, well, we'll make this again and I'll make a video out of it. I don't yeah. do that many of them. Yeah especially if we go to a restaurant and we really like something, I'll go home and I'm, I'm like, I could make this. Like, do you catch yourself eating something and you, you're like, this has this, 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 and this in it. Absolutely. I went to a Mexican restaurant not too long ago and she's probably going to watch this and laugh. Um, but my friend Victoria and I went to this restaurant and she ordered this plate and it had this sauce. And I was like, okay, I just want to taste the sauce. I tasted it. And I was like, that has watermelon in it. Like, it was so weird because it was like a salsa. And I was like, it has watermelon in it. And she was like, no, it doesn't. And I was like, it does. Taste it again. Think about it. Mm-hmm. She tasted it. It was like, it straight up tastes like watermelon. And the person came to the table and I was like, I want to know what's in this. And he was like, oh, no, I'm not going to tell you. And I was like, just tell me what's in it. Like, just tell me what's in it. Like, it, it bothers me. Like, I'm mm-hmm. getting angry. Tell me what is in the sauce. And so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go home and figure it out. Like, I'm just going to put stuff together until I make this flavor. I will remember what this tastes like. And then I'm going to come here and I'm going to throw it on the table. (laughs) Yeah. It's, do you ever, when I watch that movie Ratatouille, (laughs) that I, that's my favorite Pixar movie because I love for, for many reasons, but that scene where he, the, uh, the critic is eating and he, 
takes a bite of the ratatouille and it like takes him back to when he's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. I get chills just talking about it. Cause that's my favorite scene in any Pixar it's good. movie because I know what that's like to eat something. And it's just like, Oh my God, you know? And that's what I try to do. Like I've, I've always loved pizza. That's my favorite food. Is it pizza. Daryl loves pizza too. It's like his love language. <laughs> so when I was like 18, I went to Mellow Mushroom because I wanted to learn how to, you know, throw a pizza dough and yeah. actually learn how to make pizza like the old fashioned way. And, you know, sometimes now, like there's a place right down the road where we live where they'll, especially during the pandemic, they'll just sell you the dough, the sauce and the cheese. And my daughter thought that was the neatest thing when oh. I went outside and I started you know, it was just, it was like riding a bike. Like it's, I was like, I can't believe I can remember how to do this. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I've recently really not recently, really within the past year or two, I've always been like, I want to get good at knowing how to grill. Cause I feel like that's like something you mm -hmm. need to know how to do, especially for like entertaining guests. Yeah. So I'd buy a grill and I'd always overcook things or undercook things. Like I could never really figure out how to do it. And then I bought a cast iron skillet. Mm. Let me tell you something. That's my, that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I will never cook a <laughs> steak on anything aside from a cast iron skillet. Absolutely not. It's, it's the, I love my cast iron skillet. Daryl knows if this place was on fire, I would save the dogs and then that skillet. And then I'd come back for him. Yeah. <laughs> And like, I'll, I'll try to like show off for people like, Hey, why don't you come over for dinner? And they're like, Oh yeah, that sounds good. What are we having? Steak. And they're like, Oh, like people think like, Oh, you're going to cook us a steak. And I'm like, I guarantee you, I'm going to cook you a steak and it's going to be better than anything you can get out in town. Yeah. And it's going to take me just a couple of minutes. And they're like, okay. Like I had some guys that work with me come over to my house and I was like, I'm going to cook you a steak better than anything you've ever had. And I cooked it for them and they were just like, you would go out in town and pay $60, $70 a plate for this. And I'm like, I know. Oh yeah, you hit it with that. We hit it with that butter bath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. Do, <laughs> the way I do my steak is I like, you know, a pretty thick cut of meat. Normally, mm -hmm. like we'll get like a full size ribeye from Aldi. We'll cut it in half and me and Zaina will split it. And literally all I do, depending on the thickness, I turn the heat all the way up because we, uh, we have a gas stove. I turn the heat all the way up. I sear it on both sides for about two, two and a half minutes, depending on the thickness. Mm. I sear it on both sides. I cut the heat off. I flip it on its side. Butter, minced garlic, and a little bit of thyme. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't say how I season the steak. So the, I just let the steak get to like room temperature. And I use um, vegetable oil, salt, and pepper. That's all I do to season it. So fast forward. I flip it on its sides, put it in the sides of the pan with no heat. I throw the butter, the minced garlic, the thyme in there, mix it together, flip the steak over. And I'm, what I'm doing is cooking the sides. Mm -hmm. And then I flop it back down, put the butter on there, pop it in the oven, broil it 500 degrees for one minute. Pull it out. Perfect. Perfect yeah. medium steak. I love a good cast iron skillet. I do everything with mine. I do desserts. I made a... Um, a turkey pot pie not too long ago in the cast iron skillet and a shepherd's pie. Oh, and it's just better. It's just better when you cook it in that good seasoned cast iron skillet. Yep. You can't beat it. It's one of my favorite things.
that was primarily uh, what a lot of these uh, questions are about. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through and I might butcher some of these people's names, but I just want to let everybody know like who asked them. So Lily Nizam, I think you know her. Nizam. Yeah. <laughs> she said, what's your favorite type of food to cook? What is the most challenging dish you've ever made? And what tips do you have for a beginner to cook? Um, my favorite type of food is to cook is pasta. Um, because you can do so many different amazing things with it. You can make it Italian or you can make it Asian or Mediterranean, whatever you want to make. Um, I've even, I even have a recipe for dessert pasta and it's like a chocolate ravioli mm. and on the inside it's like a raspberry sauce. And then there's like a mascarpone, um, mascarpone sauce on top. And that's something I would make like for Valentine's day. There's just so many different things you can do with pasta. It's probably, if I had to give you a general answer, my favorite thing to cook. Wow. I don't remember the other questions already. <laughs> <laughs> I can go back through them. My favorite, uh, I got more into pasta as I got older. I've never mm -hmm. really liked pasta until I was like a grown adult. Zaina is so like, she will eat anything. Like as far as I don't as, know like, a woman who doesn't like it. Yeah. Well, she, like we would go to restaurants even when we were dating and I'd look through the menu and I couldn't find anything that I'd want. And she would order and then I'd just be like, just let me get whatever she's getting. Like I would just get what she ordered. And mm -hmm. I still do that now. Like I'll look mm -hmm. through the menu and I'll be like, I don't want this or I can make this at home. Like I shouldn't mm -hmm. pay for this. And then sh whatever she orders, I'll order as well. And nine times out of 10, I'll really like it. And so yeah. like, there was this place when we were in Mississippi, uh, it's called the Harborview Cafe. Literally everything on their menu was delicious, but my favorite dish they had was crawfish Monica. Mm, I love Oh my goodness. The cream based sauce with that crawfish on there. Like I would literally, I would leave that place slam full cause I could not, not eat it all right then. Mm -hmm. It was so good. I love crawfish any kind of way. Yep. I'm the exact same way. Uh, she also asked, what is the most challenging dish you've ever made? And what oh, tips do you have for a beginner? Okay. Um, so you're going to laugh at me and everybody laughs at me when I answer this. Um, because I've literally found that I can make almost anything. Like I thought beef wellington was going to be hard and did it perfectly on the first time. But I still, to this day, cannot correctly poach an egg. I can't do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can do anything but poach an egg. Like I have a little tool I can use, you know, to make a poached egg, but like actually do it the way you're supposed to with the, with the spinning water and the dropping the egg in the middle and like coaxing it into a ball. I can't do it. I pop it every time and I frustrate myself to the point where I'm like really genuinely upset. So I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I don't think I've ever even eaten a poached egg. So, oh my God. It's the best way. Like once you have one, you're never going to want eggs any other way. Isn't that, do they do that on like eggs Benedict? Yes. Okay. It's delicious. My yeah, Zaina really likes that. She actually ordered that at that restaurant that I was just talking mm. about. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, this is eggs Benedict. And I was like, what? it's my favorite breakfast. You know? She has good taste in food. Um, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. My tip. Um, for a beginner cook is don't follow the recipe 
with your seasonings. I mean, when you're first starting off, yes, you want to follow the recipe because you need to know how to basically cook it. Um, but if it tells you to add a teaspoon of salt, like just taste it and, and put what in there, what feels good to you and what's going to be good for your family. Because if, and I don't mean to sound like racist or whatever, but if, if a, if an old white lady is telling you how to make chicken and dumplings and you season it, like she tells you how to season it, you probably not gonna like it. I wouldn't like it, you know, versus, you know, someone a little closer locally to me tells you how to make chicken and dumplings. It, it's going to be perfectly seasoned or over seasoned. Like soup, just taste it and season for you. Do not follow the recipe exactly because that's not how, that's not how you cook. And it's not how you're going to learn to cook. It's just how you're going to follow the recipe. Yeah. One of the things that I think is so funny about the South is like, if you go to like one of those, like it's not necessarily, it's not even a chain restaurant, but if it's like a mom and pop type of place and you look in the back and there's a bigger African-American woman, back there cooking yep she's got the arm jiggle what <laughs> you're about to good. eat is gonna change your life yeah like, there's this place <laughs> there's this place in montgomery i think it's called martin's oh yeah yep it's, good. it's right outside where i went to college when i went to huntington and it was like knock your brain out of your head good and i'm it, gonna hit you with one better it's martin's but it's better and it's smaller and it's more hole in the wall and it's called Davis Cafe, and it's off of North Decatur Street downtown. And it's in like this, it looks like a house. Like, that's how rundown it is. And the first time anybody took me there, I was sitting outside, and I was like, I'm not going to eat in there. I'm sorry. Like, I will try anything, but I'm not eating in there. And I ate there, and at the time, I was working downtown, and I'm like, I, I probably ate there three times a week after that. I mean, yep. it is awesome. And I, I don't think I've ever been there. Oh my God. I mean, you're talking like fried chicken and like oxtails and collard greens, macaroni, best sweet tea of your life. Like the fluffy cornbread, like everything they do is delicious. And they're, um, turkey and dressing. I would do illegal things for that turkey and dressing. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> like I'd risk it all for that turkey and dressing. <laughs> it's so good. My favorite place to eat whenever we come back home is in Prattville. And you're probably going to answer this before I finish giving it to you. It's in Prattville. It's in downtown Prattville. Uncle Max. Yep. <laughs> That's <laughs> me and Zaina's number one spot. Like we always, anytime <laughs> we plan it literally like before we even come back home is like, we got to go by Uncle Mix at least once. And we'll drive all the way from Wetumpka to Prattville just to go to uncle mix. And if it's oh, closed, yeah, I gave me that, uh, shrimp de la cream. That's shrimp my, that's, shrimp. that's my favorite. Jam. <laughs> yep. I remember when I first went there, there's such a good restaurant too. He's it such is. a nice guy it's and how cool. he lets you sample everything. He's like, have you ever eaten Cajun food before? Most people are like, uh, no. And he's like, mm -hmm. well, let's try some things. And he pulls out that sample cup and lets you figure out what you like. Yeah. I love that place. It's we go there it. all the time. I love me some Uncle Mix. I'm not going to debate you there at all. <laughs> he, even when I lived in Mississippi, I used to go to New Orleans all the time. And to be honest with you, I've eaten better Cajun food there at Uncle Mix than I have in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. That's what's so crazy to me is he like, knows what he's doing. yeah, he's from there. Like you can, he's Creole yeah. as it gets. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, I told him one time, I was like, Hey, you are doing it better than they do it in new orleans and he was like i know 
<laughs> That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> um, trying to think. And one thing that's really like helped me want to explore like new things about cooking is, you know, with being in the military, I've had the opportunity to travel oh, yeah. to all these different places. You know, I've, I was in Spain for six months, like right as soon as I uh, joined my first command, I went, I lived in Spain for six months and you just learn so much stuff, like how they do things. Like whenever you, um, like when you go out bar hopping, it's customary for them to also bring you like a small appetizer and they call it tapas and it'll be on the house and that's how they serve everybody. And you're, that sounds good. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> like, like almost like a garlicky potatoes and they're doing that. So you don't like tire out while you're drinking, you know, mm -hmm. like they've mastered the art of drinking in those European that's countries. Smart. Yeah. And if you're not careful, like you will be tore up at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like most people, <laughs> that's what was so crazy about the culture is like at a certain time in the day, all the businesses close. They take a siesta. So they take a nap for like two hours and then everything opens back up and people don't eat dinner until 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Wow. And that's just, that's how their culture is. And then, like when I went to Guam, I went to Guam, I spent over a year in Guam uh, between two deployments. And, you know, you're always wanting to try like all the authentic foods and this, that, and the other, but the best food you could get would be at somebody's house. Mm. And they would like make pork belly, like the authentic, like Chamorro cuisine. It was just I like, really everything. Oh my gosh. It was so good. And it was just some random civilian that like invited us to his his house, he worked on the base and he was like, you guys should come over. And he cooked some food. I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you, man, this is some of the best barbecue I've ever had. And he's like, thank you. You know, and you know, now living in San Diego, the big food around here is Mexican food. Cause mm -hmm. we're literally right now where I'm sitting, I'm 10 miles from the Mexican border. So mm -hmm. you can get tacos as authentic as you've ever got them from like drive-throughs around here. And me and I mean, Zaina, we love Mexican food. What's that? I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that sounds amazing. I, I love Mexican food. Yeah. Me and Zaina, Oh, we're all about some Mexican food and literally like a mile from our house, there's a taco stand and we'll go in there and they'll give you like three tacos, like street tacos with like the cilantro and the onion. And we've gotten to where we can make it at home now. Mm -hmm. So we'll have people come over and we'll make them street tacos. And I'm like, this is really good. And it's like, yeah, we learned how to do it from that place up the road. So I would love that. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like a, and I'm not even sure I'm saying this right. Like arepa, arepa. Am I saying it right? It's, it's like a kind of like a doughy kind of bread. And it's got I know what you're talking about. I don't know if okay. that's the right way to say it, but. I think it is. I, I, I speak Spanish. I just, I'm not sure how to like say that word. Um, but they don't have them around here at all. And there's not, there's really not any authentic Mexican cuisine anywhere near here. There's one place in Atlanta, but it's, it's not the same. Like Mexican is around here where you go to get chip salsa and a margarita. It's not where you go to get Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. You can't get cheese dip anywhere here. Like, yeah. I've, Cause it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the thing too, is like, even like the nicer, more like tourist oriented places where you'll see like more 
of a uh, like Tex-Mex almost. That's more of what Alabama is like mm-hmm. chicken quesadilla, rice and beans and a margarita with cheese dip and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't do that here. Like your best Mexican food here in San Diego comes in a styrofoam box mm-hmm. and knowing how to speak Spanish will really help you because, you know, I go up to the window and all the guys that work there, they speak Spanish so, you know, they listen to me and my Southern accent trying to order. And they're just like, but I've oh, seen so people. You don't want spice. <laughs> they're saying. Well, I've, that's funny that you even say that. Cause we went to this place. That's literally like you could pick up a rock and throw it and hit the border wall. And it's called Alberto's. And I told them I wanted the uh, Diablo quesadilla. And I said that. And he was like, it's very spicy. Yeah. <laughs> that's all he said. And I was like, that's okay. You know, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be no big deal. And I ate that thing and my face was blood red the <laughs> entire time. Like it was borderline unenjoyable. It was so good, <laughs> but it was painful just to get through. And Zaina was laughing at me while I was eating it. And she was like, if it's that bad, like don't eat it. And I was like, I can't help it. It's so good, but it was so yeah. spicy. Uh, Daryl and I have similar experiences anytime we go to like an Asian restaurant or like we have a Korean restaurant we like to go to here we'll order the exact same thing Um, but even if we order the same spice level they're gonna make mine spicier than his automatically because he's white and they'll look at me and just be like okay I'll bring it and then they'll look at Daryl like are you sure it's spicy like how much spice you want like one to five like a one you want a one and then they're like Daryl's like no I can eat it and they're like no okay and they'll bring it and I'll taste it and it's like super mild and mine is crazy spicy they just you know just an automatic (laughs) there's a Thai food place right down the road from here that does that and they ask you when you come in they're like how spicy do you want it and I normally tell them like a three or a four on a scale to five and Zaina's always like I want like a two or a three but she put me on to Thai food because our Mm -hmm. first experience ever eating Thai food, we were dating and she took me to Alatai. I love Alatai. (laughs) Well, I'd never (laughs) been there and I went and I didn't know anything about Thai food. And I was like, just give me whatever she's getting. And I hated it. I was like, why'd we go here? And it wasn't until really we moved out here where she was like, let's go get Thai food. And I was like, Oh, I'm not going to like this. And she was like, please, but they're more, they do Thai food, but they also do like your traditional like Chinese takeout. They have like orange chicken and lao mein and things like that. So that's what I got. And I thought I was like, wow, this is really good. And I, she was like, do you want to taste my curry? And I was like, yeah. And I <laughs> tasted it and I don't order anything else but that curry from there now. Because oh, it's so good? Oh. oh my gosh. I will drink that stuff with a straw. It is so good. I w- and they do the Thai tea and everything there. Oh, like, I love Thai tea. Ooh, it's like yeah. a, it's really popular takeout, especially right now because mm-hmm. everything's closed. Like you might wait an hour to get your food, but it's worth it. I make a lot of curry at home. We're big curry people. Um, Indian food's probably our favorite. Like I think our favorite restaurant in Montgomery is the Indian place. Like I love Indian food, but since I've learned to make a lot of the curries and the masalas and stuff at home, we don't go as often. Cause I feel like mine's better only cause it's custom to us, but I love some curry. So I'm totally with you there. Yep. I'm going to get you to answer two more questions and then 
uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this up because we've been on here for a pretty long time. Okay. Um, this one comes from Madison. Jaggers. Yep. Okay. Uh, she said, what are some mistakes most people make when cooking? What is your favorite ingredient to use while cooking? And when slash how did you start getting into cooking? I think you already answered that last one, but. Um, I think a big mistake that a lot of people make are trying to overcomplicate things. Um, if you're making something and it looks good and it tastes good, just leave it alone. You know, if you're making a pasta and it's delicious and it looks fabulous and then you go and put truffle oil on it, well, you might just ruin the whole thing because all those flavors don't necessarily have to go together and fancier is not always better. I mean, I definitely will make fancy food when it's an appropriate time, but most of the stuff I make is just real Southern comfort food and that's everyone's favorite, no matter where they're from. Yeah. Um, uh, how did I get start, get it into cooking? I was like, I was like seven. I just started cooking and my mom wasn't a cook then she can cook really well now. Um, but back then she wasn't. And I was, I I've always loved it. And I went to my grandparents' house and I would just play with stuff. Um, and I made one pasta dish one time. It was like angel hair and some teriyaki chicken. And I was like, Oh, I'm good at this. I'm gonna keep doing it. And they would just buy me food and let me experiment with it. And I just grew from there and I, I just never stopped. And I don't remember the second one. Really uh, it says, what's your favorite ingredient to use while cooking? Favorite ingredient to use. Um, garlic is one that I use more than anything else. Favorite. I don't use it as much anymore, but cheese. Like cheese, every, I put Parmesan in everything. But I don't anymore because I've been cutting back on my dairy. But um, lots of Parmesan in literally everything. It's my yep. favorite. I'm the same way. I've been trying, I've been using this quarantine to try and like cut back on certain things. So mm -hmm. instead of like a full blown breakfast with eggs and sausage and potatoes and stuff, like I love to make breakfast. That's my favorite mm -hmm. meal is breakfast. And I'll get, I'll get like experimental with stuff. I make a breakfast burrito that I'm willing to put against anybody's. Like I want it <laughs> to be on the food network. I want Guy Fury to come and try it and tell me how good it is. Cause I know it is. So is, what you're saying is when pandemic's over, next time in, you're in town, you and Zayn are going to come over and we're going to do a breakfast burrito off. Absolutely. And I'm, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> we can, we can film it. We can put it on YouTube. Like I okay, promise I'm you. I'm totally down for this. Like you guys just come over and Daryl and Zayna can laugh at us and we're going to both make breakfast burritos and then we're going to get somebody else to come blind taste us because Zayn is going to know what you made and Daryl's going to know what I made. <laughs> we'll mm -hmm. get somebody else to judge. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll make it. I make a, I can make a lot of them too. Like I've made them for <laughs> like eight people. I normally I'll do them like a week in advance. Like sometimes yeah. I'll take them for lunch for myself and I just, I can roll them up in tin foil and I'll put them in the fridge and then just heat them up when I get to work. And like, I, I had those buddies that came over and ate a steak. I'd made like burritos for myself for the week <laughs> and we were drinking and one of them was like, can I have that burrito? <laughs> yeah you can have it and he ate the entire thing and I'm like how are you still alive after eating so much and he was like that was the best breakfast burrito I've ever eaten oh my gosh <laughs> but the point that I was trying to make um so I've tried to really cut back on eating so much normally like I don't eat I'll do like one meal a day right now I've been doing that a lot 
or I only will eat after like two, three o'clock. And that's if I, yep. If I worked out in the mornings, like I've been on a run kick lately where I run six days a week, like anywhere between two and a half to three miles. And I'm trying to get to like 18 miles a week and I'm really enjoying it. But as far as food goes, like I had a smoothie earlier and that (laughs) filled me up. So I haven't quite gotten on like going vegetarian or even vegan, even though I have friends, like I had uh, Peyton Thompson on a couple of weeks ago and I've even talked to her, like, how hard is it to go vegan? And she's like, well, you know, you can do it. You know, I've done it for years now, but it's, this might be a hard transition because I like meat, you know? Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if you watched my last episode on the, on my show or not, but Daryl and I are actually doing a 21 day vegan fast. Um, so we're on day 19 now. So we've been totally vegan for 19 days, no meat, dairy, animal products or animal byproducts or any products used by animals or tested on animals. And I mean, I'm, I'm not going to commit to doing it forever because I'm just in love with food and I can't help it. Um, but I'm definitely going to cut back on my dairy because my, my, I mean, my body is just completely changed. Like my skin is totally different and like, I can feel a difference in my hair and my mood. Like I wasn't a believer, but now I am. Um, so I'm definitely going to cut back, but I can't, I can't stop with the meat. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, but I support it and think it's worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's something you can maintain, especially if you know how to cook so many different things with it. Absolutely. I just personally, just about everything I know how to cook involves meat. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that would be hard for me to let go of aside from meat would be eggs. Oh yeah. I love eggs. That's like I said earlier, that was the first thing I learned how to cook. So now like, I feel like that's where I'm a master at. Like I can make you a perfect omelet. You know, I mess it up sometimes, but like I watched the videos, like how Gordon Ramsay makes eggs, like in a sauce. Oh, pan. the scrambled eggs with the, yeah. with the, um, with the creme fraiche. Yeah. You take it off and put it back on. We're experts at that. We love it. <laughs> I love it too. Like I do it every time now. Like if I'm making scrambled eggs, just especially just for myself, cause Anna doesn't like them very runny. Like I'll normally like make hers and then I'll make mine. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's like, wow, yours are really fluffy. And I'm like, I tried to tell you like, and yeah. that's, I, that's what I feel like, you know, with channels like yours, there's so much information out there on YouTube on how, you know, just about 90% of the things that I know how to cook now, I learned just from watching on my phone. Like yeah. just the other night I made Philly cheesesteaks here at the house mm-hmm. and Zaina always rags on me. She's like, it takes you so long to cook. And I'm like, you can't rush perfection if you want right. it to be good <laughs> you have to just give me my time so I can go back and see if I did something wrong and she really liked it so we'll probably do Philly cheesesteak again yeah I love a good Philly cheesesteak uh we got one more question and uh I'm gonna leave this one for your husband he says what's your advice to guys who can't cook simple recipe techniques would be great and you responded with marry a woman who can winky face. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my answer um, for him because he, he did and he can't cook. I mean, just like bless him. He's such a great and wonderful husband, but I wouldn't eat if I, if I wasn't married to him, I wouldn't eat anything he made. And that's a warning. Um, but no, um, I don't think there's any difference between an, a man learning how to cook and a woman learning how to cook. Just 
do what tastes good to you and follow the recipe to help you learn how to cook it. And then after that, don't touch the recipe again, yeah. you know, take the basics from it and then learn what works for you and learn to love it. Because if you don't like cooking, just get takeout because it's not going to be good if you don't like it. And that's just yep. the truth. <laughs> yep. I agree. Yeah. That is my answer for Daryl and everyone else. <laughs> Yeah. And once again, you know, I apologize. I can't read everybody's question. You've probably had more interaction whenever I asked for like questions before an interview on an episode than anybody. And I can't get to all of them or we would run this episode for another three hours. But I really appreciate you sitting down talking with me today. I've really had a good time and I've learned a lot about you. I hope that I was able to keep it going as much as possible. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can't wait for when I come home. We'll definitely set that up. Oh, we'll have that burrito I'm, cook off. I'm not even kidding. This is not like for the video thing. Like I expect a message being like, Hey, Zana and I are coming in town. Like, are we doing this? And I'm gonna be like, yeah, I'm going to go to Costco right now and get the tortillas. Like I'm, I'm down. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready. I'm <laughs> ready to Zana will bring the wine and we can, uh, we can do this. <laughs> it's okay. We're wrapping it up. Daryl just walked in. The dogs are losing it. <laughs> it's all good. Well, hey, I'll go ahead and let you uh, get going. I know it's pretty late over there, and Zaina's probably wondering what I'm doing up here now. So, well, tell her I said hey. I will. She'll and watch this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, y'all right, have a good well, thanks one. Thanks for having me. It has been a lot of fun. Bye. Bye. Once again, a big thanks to Morgan for sitting down and talking with me today. I really enjoyed our episode, and I really appreciate how much she was willing to share, especially when we got into things about religion and things of that sort. It takes a lot for a person to talk about those sort of things, but I'm really happy that she did. Anyways, if you would like to be on an episode of the Mac Daddy Seminar, hit me up, DM me, shoot me a Facebook message, something. Look, I'm getting requests from people all the time to be on this podcast, and if you want it to be you, you got to reach out to me, okay? Sometimes I ask for certain people on certain subjects. Other times, they just reach out to me, and we've been making it go like that, okay? So, but you got to have something to talk about, okay? That's one thing I want to put out here publicly so everybody knows, like, I can't talk to you unless we have something we can talk about. I can't just, oh, what do you do? Oh, I work at Waffle House. Okay. I, I can run with that for a couple of minutes, but that's the best I can do. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is, look, if you've made it this far, I really appreciate it. You're obviously a fan, but if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead, click that subscribe button, ring that bell, and tell your friends about this podcast, man. Let everybody know. We're available on Apple iTunes podcast. We're available on Spotify. We're available on YouTube. We got it all over here. So hit me up. Let me know. And like I say every week, I appreciate you guys for listening and I'll see you when I see you. Y'all take care.